0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. Once again, I bring you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And Today on the show, my old buddy, haven't talked to him in a very long time, get a chance to catch up with him today from the podcast Truanon, from the band War Crime and Wild Thing. Probably prefers I mention Wild Thing first. Uh, Former writer for Max Rock and Roll, coiner of the term, mysterious guy hardcore, former freedom fighter, volunteer freedom fighter, former union organizer, this guy has had many lives, Brace Belden is on the show today, and this is a doozy, get ready for a good one, but first, if you'd like to get in touch with me, head over to the email address turned at a punk podcast at gmail.com, that is run by my brother and show producer, and normally, guest booker extraordinaire, but I, I book this one all on my own, and he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do on this show. If you want to uh, get in touch with me directly, I am at Leftford Damien on Twitter or Instagram. To support the show, head over to turnedownapunk.com and pick up a shirt. Thank you to everyone who has done that. We also have a Patreon. Huge thank you to everyone that does check out the Patreon where I put up footnotes and Video versions of some of the episodes and all sorts of fun stuff over there. And, uh, you know, you just support this podcast by telling your friends about it. Letting everyone know that you know that you enjoy this podcast. Or you can rate it and subscribe to it on iTunes. And thank you to people that do do that as well. Uh, I also play in a band called Fucked Up. We have postponed our first leg of our David Comes to Life tour. Hopefully, we're just going to play it by ear for the dates in February and beyond. Uh, the East Coast dates that were supposed to be happening now, if you're listening to this when this comes out, will be moved to July. Find out more information at fuckedup.cc. All right, on to today's show. Today on the show, my buddy Brace, who I have not talked to in a very long time, not spoken to in a very long time. And when I knew him, he was a little kid. He was, he was a, uh, well, I knew him. I knew him as he kind of grew into sort of this writer and then played in wild Thing as well. But like when I first met him, he was just like a little, little kid. I didn't even know how young he was till we did this interview and to watch him kind of grow up and live this sort of incredible life. You know, this, this very, uh, I don't know, very, very, uh, he's living life to the fullest in everything that he does. Just, uh, Google this guy and read, uh, some of the stories about his time fighting in the people's protection units. Um, with the Kurdish army in Syria. Really, he has, he has done a lot of things. They're going to make a, a movie of about his life at one point, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. I didn't ask him about this, so don't worry. I'm not spoiling anything that's coming up on the show. You can read about all this stuff online. Well, we talk about punk, because that's what we do on this show. So I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Check out Brace's podcast. It's a fantastic uh, podcast called anon that, you know, a I, 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 I very uh, very cutting political podcast that is a a really fun listen uh check out some of brace's uh music and wild thing i'm sure he does not want you to check out war crime um i'm sure you can find their records but he probably does not want you to find them or listen to them uh and that's it i'm I'm not going to ramble on anymore sit back relax and enjoy piss pig granddad aka brace belden on turned out a punk (laughs) Grace, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: It is a pleasure to be here, Damien.
0: Well, I, you know, in addition to being a podcaster, a union organizer, a member of bands, perhaps most germane to this podcast is you are the coiner of the term "mysterious guy hardcore." So you have to be here. We had to do yeah. this eventually.
1: You, you, you are basically the progenitor
0: of mysterious guy hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> well i guess like it all great mysterious hardcore bands what you know you got to put the blanket back on because once yeah. you reveal the truth not as good as the mystery
1: well the thing with mysterious guy hardcore it was all guys who were like damn fucked up's got like some crazy ass like lyric. it's like witch lyrics but what if we played like math rock hardcore behind it <laughs> or just metal
0: <laughs> yeah it was definitely a, an amazing time for innovation in hardcore or yes or lack abs- thereof. <laughs> yes well uh brace i gotta start this off though the way they all start off which is how did you get into punk from the first time you ever came across it i got into punk
1: in canada whoa yeah in uh vancouver there is a record store that's like in my head it has two stories it, it's there's a movie that has some scene there that's the only like that's where i'm getting my memory of it from
0: was it Zulu Records, maybe? Or? Z- Zebra or something? Yeah, Z- I'm trying to think. It's something with a Z. Okay, okay, maybe Zulu. It Must be Zulu then, because I think that's the only one with a Z.
1: Well, I had been, I had been taking bass. I was like 11 or 12, and I've been taking bass lessons from this guy. And I was trying to learn. Uh, is it is Nickelback's Canadian, right? They are. <laughs> I was trying to learn. I was trying to learn they're on a different story like that song (laughs) and he he wouldn't teach it to me uh and he gave me and this sounds fake i know this sounds fake he gave me a flick a flipper 10 inch that's awesome and like some other records but i have a record player so my dad was like oh you're gonna get into punk and so when i went to this uh it was like record store we were on vacation in vancouver he uh he was like oh you should look at the ramones then i just bought whatever other cds look cool so i bought dead kennedy's and the uh, the avengers so
0: ramones dead kennedy's avengers and misfits so like what kind of stuff were you into prior to that like in addition to the nickelback i was a uh
1: pudgy metal head into dungeons and dragons same um yeah so i had long stringy hair i had my only t-shirt, I had four different ACDC t-shirts. That's yes. my only shirt. <laughs> and no friends. And so I, uh, I, in fact, I used to make D&D like games up and then I would have no one to play them with. So I would just play them by myself. <laughs> um, but uh, so I was just, and I liked like the radio. I like. You know, I went to OzFest, um, so I hate breed there, but I didn't like them and so i was like 11 years old so yeah. by the time i was i was 12 was like fully like i like heard punk and i was like blown away. i remember walking around the cd play, portable cd player
0: in in vancouver and be like this ramon shit is crazy <laughs> so where were you kind of hearing music at that point primarily the radio i guess
1: yeah, uh, live one hundred and five um, in in San Francisco, which was like an alt rock, like you know, played like Blink one hundred and eighty two and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then KSJO, which was like a classic, like like seventies rock to now, I guess um, station that I remember they had Tata Tuesdays. Where if you had a KSJO bumper sticker in the back of your car, women were supposed to bear their breasts to you.
0: The nineties were a wild ass time. Crazy as hell, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable to think about that stuff. It's like a mainstream exactly. radio promotion.
1: They were like, "You have to show your 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 tatas to a guy who has the, the And there'd be people <laughs> calling in, and be like, "I just got flashed on the Bay Bridge, like it was crazy, you know." it's uh, um, And I remember listening, be like, "Whoa, I wonder." Like, I didn't really get what was. I didn't see like a naked woman's body even like pictured until I think I was like twelve, and so I'd be like, "What?" is that like what's i don't know what's under the shirt really like
0: (laughs) that's why you never want to have that bumper sticker on your car because never kids are going to get the education if they're right beside you exactly exactly i never saw them uh where did you kind of uh you know go from like what was your first concert you went to
1: my first concert i ever went to was well of my own volition i think was probably Ozfest. Mm -hmm. um but i remember my my brother and i saw blink 182 at the warfield for his birthday Uh, my dad took us i remember there's a guy with a barcode tattoo in the back neck his neck And i was like even at like 10 or 11 i was like this is a very (laughs) silly tattoo um and then danzig uh actually on that you know what i must have heard misfits before because i saw dan we my family went to seattle then vancouver and i saw danzig in seattle um that trip so i saw Danzig like when i was like 12 and he, he pointed he went like this to me
0: he knew he knew, he knew. so yeah, like, my
1: dad my dad made fun of me because he was like how come you saw this fat guy with a mesh shirt on i was like it's not you wouldn't get it who's the opener i've i actually don't know i had a tour shirt but like a long sleeve tour shirt probably worth a billion dollars now but yeah my brother
0: has it so i don't know it probably says on the back so well, like what was bringing it like where'd you hear the misfits for the first time like you must have heard them before you got in the punk stuff because that's like a crazy trip you got into that and punk at the same time
1: yeah i think i had like a babysitter or something that like the Misfits. i remember hearing the violent femmes nick cave and the misfits from like this lady who used to watch us after school sometimes um rocker yeah yeah so it must have been very very like kind of like 90s thing to be into um yeah. and so my, i remember my, my brother was really into like uh operation ivy and and like rancid and stuff and so i never got into like that kind of like more poppier stuff i got into like a little older older stuff because i didn't want to like the same stuff as my brother and i was like this is more like metal
0: like how prevalent was that stuff in you know the bay area at that time was that kind of like almost like because you know rancid being a hometown band mm-hmm. was that almost like mainstream music
1: yeah it was they were huge they were huge it was like everyone in in school listened to them and stuff yeah um and then like we'd see them around i remember Lars frederick max uh from war crime once uh called Lars frederickson a, a naughty word when he was getting a photo shoot done and large frederickson had one of his boys break max's skateboard when we
0: were young <laughs> 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 i heard about the same thing having a little wayne one time really like, yeah Some someone some punk kids started fucking with little wayne and then his security guards came out and just like knocked the kid out cold
1: like, yeah 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 yeah
0: Yeah. well i was skateboarding while little wayne was skateboarding incredible um, so what was the like place you kind of went after getting this sort of like starter pack of cds in uh in vancouver oh dog you know it the gilman yeah uh
1: i remember i saw the attics at slim's and I had my glass. This is like the first like punk show I went to like with my friends. I saw the addicts in like, I don't know, must've been like 2002 or something. And uh, Mike, I had never been to like a show with like a mosh pit really. But I guess I've been to like, you know, I'd never like been around it really. And so I was standing up front and immediately song one, glasses get knocked off the face, broken underfoot. And I start like crying a little bit like and stand standing in the back because I can't see anything. Yeah. Um, But then I start going to Gilman. And uh, you know, kind of just Fridays and set, no matter who was playing. And uh in Warmwater Coke, because I remember I begged my dad to buy me a pair of uh bondage pants from angry Young and poor. I it spent me like took me like three months to beg him. And uh and uh he finally bought me a pair of yellow tartan pants with zippers and bondage straps. And I wore them when I was 12 years old, or like yeah, I, I was 12 at that time still. And everyone immediately started just clowning on me mercilessly,
0: and I
1: never was the man. My dad was so pissed because they were like sixty
0: dollars. <laughs> yeah, the Gilman—that does not seem like the place that that stuff ever flew.
1: No, no, no. It was. It was. I thought the casualties were really cool looking, but I don't have the physio- a physion- physiognomy I. I don't look. I
0: can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you also have to be on mass. To yeah. pull that off, right? You got it.
1: You got to be with your. You got to be with your drunk. Well, we were called. I mean, my little crew of guys at that time—not guys, guys and girls at the time—was called SFDP. This is people like I made friends with, kind of like after I got into punk, met at shows. San Francisco Drunk Punks with an X, yeah. and uh and but we none of us, all of us look stupid, except for like two guys who can kind of pull off the mohawk look. Everyone else just looked like idiots.
0: <laughs> so, who, do you remember the first show you saw at the Gilman? some of the early ones that stood out to you
1: i can't remember the first no no, honestly i don't know i uh one of the first times i ever kissed a girl was the Gilman, and i think the first time i ever really drank was there um but the shows because i got sent away when i was like 13 and so there's like i missed like a chunk of that Mm. and so no, I don't. I actually have no real recollection cuz that was before I met you and stuff. And so yeah. that was like the when I got back from all the uh getting sent away. But no, I I I remember I saw the lower class brats. Remember that band? Absolutely, I still got some singles. <laughs> oh yeah, they're the <laughs> addicted to Oi. I remember it was one of their songs. Um, I saw them at the Pound and I saw uh like bands like the fucking The Virus and shit like that. Yeah. That that shit was huge back then. But at Gilman specifically, I, I can't really remember. I went there all the
0: fucking time. Was there like a, I guess like what was the competing venue at that time? Because like I find when you're there's always like a opposing yeah. venue to the Gilman, it feels like
1: there was there was another one in Marin called I can't remember where it was, what it was called. It was in San Rafael, the Oasis. It was like a few other like like startup teen clubs, but none of them, like Gilman was just like consistent and there were less like the for security at Gilman isn't professional. So like you want to go there to hang out. You don't want to go somewhere where There's like a hired security guard. That's going to actually make you stop drinking.
0: Yeah. And also the Gilman has that. Like, I know people are always like, oh, there's too many rules of the Gilman, but they've got like that. Just the perfect amount of rules that it's able to yeah. keep going.
1: Yeah. And at 12, I was like, I don't even know how to break most of these rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so you, you mentioned getting sent away. Like how long were you gone before you kind of came back?
1: I got, I got like kidnapped and sent away when I was 13. I was supposed to be gone for like three years. I I escaped after a year and, uh, was on the run for about five months. And then, so it was all in all about a year and a half until I was like back normal. Although war crime started when I was still a runaway. So it was like, that was like, a transition to so I was like 14 and a half probably. Was it to get uh, you out of punk type thing? I was just like, I mean, it was funny because it was actually like my like normal kids I knew from school that kind of got me into trouble. One punk kid, but like they had burned down some hill and I took the blame for it. And mm-hmm. then I got busted for all this other vandalism that most of it I didn't even actually do. And so I had a probation officer that was like kind of a scumbag. And uh basic my parents like sent me this like but it turned out to be a cult uh in Montana and uh they certainly they only they only let you listen to Credence, michael jackson and the beatles uh what the what what a weird playlist yeah it was a, it was a fucking wild wow. dude but not even most beatles so i don't like the beatles to begin with really mm. and i like the, all their contemporaries but just really to make us listen to Blackwood singing in the dead of night over and over and over. And the talking heads who I fucking hate. What a weird
0: playlist of bands.
1: Yeah. Punk was banned. You had to wear like orange t-shirt talking like khaki car hearts. Like, which I guess was like kind of a hipster look now. Yeah. But...
0: <laughs> Not when you're forced to wear it though.
1: Not when you're forced to wear it. No. And I I could, I never could pull out that look. You I uh, wanted to.
0: It felt like also that was like you know a wild time for those kind of like boot camps for kids oh yeah like there just felt like that was like it was there advertising them on tv all those talk shows were basically ads for these things
1: yeah dr phil like he was basically like he had deals with all these places like send Mm -hmm. your kids in them i knew so many people who got sent to these because there was all kinds like there was like crazy lockdown ones i went to like a pretty pretty uh restricted it was a work farm i mean we just worked on a farm for and then they did like weird cold stuff with us like tried to like brainwash us into having like rebirth ceremonies but i just wow so did you escape
0: when you were there and make your way back
1: no dude i was supposed to go back to the bay area and like get rid of all my punk stuff because you had to like break down your image and i was like fuck that like i love dri like you'll never take this from me and uh and so i pretended to go along with it yeah, after I failed sca- escape attempt when I first got there. And so I had two days, two or three days back home. Where I was supposed to get rid of all my stuff, call my friends, tell them that we weren't going to be friends anymore. They hadn't heard from me the entire time I've been gone, all that stuff. Uh, but then I went on to AIM because I was like, my parents won't be able to look up the records this. I went to AIM and hit up Max. And then he and a couple of punk guys came and picked me up. And I stayed in a in a, like a punk house called The Hole for like <laughs> a, for a while.
0: I imagine it lived up to the name a little bit.
1: I lost my virginity there. Wow! To a classic punk losing their virginity to a girl with a hairless rat. (laughs)
0: Oh my god! Wait, so when they kidnapped you, did they actually like get snatch you off the streets type thing?
1: Oh, dude, two guys came into my room at like five a.m. and I was like, "Who the fuck are you guys?" That's so fucking scary. It was so scary. And uh, and then they took me to this like spot in uh, in the Oregon Dalles, like the desert. It's like a wilderness program. And then after that, they were like, you're going to go home. You're going to go home. Psych. You're getting sent away for like two or three years to a farm in Montana.
0: That's fucking crazy. And that's how they tell you they don't prep you at all.
1: They do to some kids, but I, I don't know. Maybe my, the
0: decision on me was last minute or something. Yeah. But, yeah. They, they no no prep. Not at all. So when you got back to uh, San Francisco, because you guys kind of like, I remember, I think we had come out there one time before, or maybe not, but like, it seemed like when we came out there, war crime was just starting and it was like a whole new scene of kids. Like there was second option. There was like all these new bands kind of happening.
1: Yeah, well, there was that, like, kind of older scene of, like, you know, Scotty and Deadfall Mm -hmm. and, like, um, Strung Up and all those bands that were, like, to me, those guys were, like, 100 years old. Not 100, Mm -hmm. but, like, I was, like, they're all, like, 40 and
0: stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. In
1: retrospect, they were, like, 21, (laughs) 22.
0: But But Scotty felt so together even then. Like, he had, like, everything figured out.
1: I interned for Scotty throughout high Scotty was the reason that I didn't have to go to high school for more than three hours a day. <laughs> I I worked for him. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So like, I, I, I mean, I knew all the like SF drunk punks and stuff before I got sent away. By the time I got back, it was like, there was this whole Bay area scene with like a million people, like all young kids and mm-hmm. like 14 year old kids. And over like the next year, it started like being way more cohesive. Like war crime was kind of one of the first like young guy bands and uh and then all these all these like other bands like yeah second opinion fucking k-bar all these other bands started up Night new. Sick
0: justice right was that yeah
1: a... yeah that was a little later, a little later that was some yeah. of the same yeah 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 but like two three
0: years later Tom yeah case E-coli. of emergency and
1: yes well that that got negative tom was the first do you remember that guy
0: oh absolutely because i remember meeting him and tony molina uh they were living together at the Classic time they the duo. house right
1: Classic duo, yeah. South Bay Gods. Yeah, uh, South
0: Bay Gods.
1: When later when I was a junkie, um, I almost uh anonymously sold my record collection to pay back uh, a, a girlfriend I had stolen a bunch of money from. Uh to Negative Tom. He didn't know it was me. Um, because I was it on Craigslist. And he lowballed me so hard. I respect him. <laughs> really respect him for that. I'm not even joking. I'm like, that's 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 a record guy for you. That's like, how you go, know this one's true. I'll like, give you a thousand dollars. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh
2: man.
0: So yeah, like you come back and it's, it's like, are you just, you like basically just live in the scene at this point. Right. Cause you're like living at this hole.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I was living at the hole and there was all these guys there that were like young, like those are like, like a little, okay, I was like 14 at the time. So this was like 17 year olds that lived there, 18 yeah. year olds, but it was all like 18 through like 14 that hung out. Um, and so it was like, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. It was, you know, there was like Walmart or Cove was like having shows all the time. There was like good shows at Gilman. And at this time, all my friends had gotten into like 80s hardcore. Like, street punk was done. You know, yeah. like we were yeah. like, we, everyone had found out that like actually, like, I mean, half the bands were just like, I mean, we already all listened like the adolescents or whatever, but like people were like starting to like dig a little deeper into that. And so I got really, really into 80s hardcore. Um, and I was only, I was on the run for like four, four or five months. And then I got, went back to my parents' house. And at that point, they were like, just do whatever you know like go crazy um and so uh war crime was like we started because we 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 wanted to be like suicidal tendencies not musically but we're like we want to be the dumbest band and get a fan base that we have to disavow um (laughs) because that'll get us attention and we don't have to learn how to play that good uh which worked and so we, like, yeah, we were, like, one of the sort of, like, uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't say, like, they congealed around us, but it was, like, us, We I think we were really among the first of, like, the younger, younger bands to start. I think Second Opinion was around before us. There's a couple other ones. Um, but, like, by the time we started, not because of us, but just around the same time that we started, all these new, like, younger guy bands were starting up.
0: Yeah, I think you are also probably the first one to really tour, too.
1: Yeah, 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 we were. Um, with you know what i just realized where i met jonah was uh in san jose when i was like 14 or 15 when the when the career suicide played i think with the rotten fucks or maybe with some other bands okay um and uh and that was like there was all these san jose guys in the scene too that were like a little older and like they'd smoke crack and shit and like so we thought they were like and they actually had mohawks and the cool with them <laughs> yeah and so, I mean, at that time, it was fucking crazy. Like, the Bay Area had a huge scene, like, yeah. bigger than any, like, I've really seen since. Like, just a, all across the Bay in every different town, there was this different sort of scene, a different sound, and all, like, kind of came together. So it's pretty big shows.
0: Yeah, like, it, it feels like it's kind of consistent that, you know, the Bay Area is going to have one of the bigger scenes because there's yeah. just so many different types of punk happening. But it just felt like everything was kind of going in the same direction at that time. Like everyone was yeah. like, yo, 80s hardcore, being into cool bands that sound good. And we're all like, okay, this is good. It's not like yeah. there's an emo thing. There's like a th- other thing happening at the same time.
1: Well, and we were also lucky to have Burnt Ramen. Yeah. Um, which was uh like a little I don't know what I call a warehouse, just like a venue in in Richmond that was like an illegal venue that you could have shows at. And the combination of that and having guys like Scotty around to like really nurture a scene and like actually kind of like not manage it, but like people who kind of like kept it cohesive was Mm -hmm. really, really fucking like that was crucial.
0: Yeah, he was almost like a babysitter at a time. Like I remember coming back and it was all like not babysitter, but in the sense that he was like, you know, once again, as you said, like only like six years older, seven years older than everyone else around him, but like still like the oldest person in the room. Like booking yeah. the venue and like you know making sure yes. the show happens and stuff. Yeah,
1: I remember he kicked us out. We went we went to go hang out at the Deadfall House one time, like when I was like sixteen, and me and some guys. And he kicked us out because they were gonna do Coke, and he was like, "You guys can't be around for this." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, those guys think they can book our bands, but they won't even let us. I, I'd never done Coke before, any or never. I don't, like. It was just like <laughs> I was so offended.
0: Uh, when also like war crime came out and kind of did the the uh the best play you can do in music which is piss everyone off everyone
1: i i mean so war crime is something that i never would have i never thought this would have have happened although i guess i should have maybe predicted it but war crime continues to haunt me to this day and let this be a warning for all young listeners out there. You think that you're like 14 and have a really good idea to make everyone mad because it gets you attention. If you have attention, people go to the shows. No, 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 my friend. Uh, the, the best you can say about us, we really were punks because we were we were rotten little guys. But uh, yeah, we, we decided we wanted to make like we at one point were hanging up a, a, the flag of Israel and an SS flag at all of our shows. I don't even know oh what that I, God. <laughs> we were just like, this covers every base that we can have. Cause we realized that if anyone came on stage to try to fight us, us and all our friends would just beat the shit out of them. Yeah. And so, th- cause we fought a lot at shows. And so we were like, well, we're, uh, we're, we're good up until of course the infamous trash talk incident. Um, but the, uh, the, the, like it was it was like we we kind of just weren't taking it really seriously and we're like we well we're just like we're like punk we're like Sid Vicious and we'll just like be stupid and like silly bad um, not knowing that people would take it really seriously
0: eventually. Well it's also that's just like the thing with punk too especially at that time is like all the modeling is like no this is the play like look yeah. at all the bands all the great bands did crazy offensive shit. Yeah. And that's what made them stand out.
1: I remember we played a show at burnt ramen and I wore a dress with a swastika on. I mean, I'm very, the most visibly Jewish human being in the Western hemisphere. I mean, I look like a fucking dare Sturmer drawing. And so it's was like, we can get away. We did get away with it, but people were like, people did. There was like a core group of people that were like, oh, fuck
0: these kids.
1: And like, I remember hating them at the time and now being like, well, I get it.
0: You know? Well, it's so interesting too, about, the the scenes that pop up in the base too because it always feels like there's like obviously like a really powerful organized political leaning punk scene
2: mm-hmm. then there's
0: always like a against a foil to that you know like yeah. you look back at the fuck ups you know and there's always just sort of like consistently a history of this thing dude
1: when we found out about the fuck ups I was like 15 or 16 I was like this is like what we're doing Yeah, like this yeah. is like because I had known about the vats and stuff and like mdc i remember i remember dave dictor from mdc wrote my middle school letter um because i got suspended from middle school for wearing like that clan cop shirt you know like mdc logo and he sent a letter to my principal being like it's about killing the cop inside your head i'm like dog it's it's fully definitely not um (laughs) your band's called millions of dead cops but uh i like i like all these bands we looked up to were like We didn't really, I mean, the thing is the Bay Area, we were like, well, everyone's like a liberal here. And so like this, what will make these people mad? You know, Mm. like we can't like, I don't know, like war sucks, but like, you know, what really rules is like making your parents mad at you, Yeah, Um, which is part of, I mean, it's part of, it's part of the weird paradoxes, but like, I guess kind of paradox of being a punk, like after the initial wave is you got to kind of keep inventing new ways to piss people off
0: well even the initial wave too right like even you go back to the proto-punk stuff they were playing with that stuff to piss people off and to oh for sure it's it feels like that's always punks is like punk thing is is part of it is playing with stuff that you don't fully understand yeah or for effect and then realizing later in life oh shit i shouldn't have done that
1: yeah yeah i mean i don't like the thing is like I mean, I I don't want to say no one got hurt because definitely a lot of people got seriously injured during this time period. But yeah. like we didn't like, you know, we didn't it was like we were just doing literally whatever audience we had, we would do whatever we could to make them mad. Mm-hmm. And like that, so it changed every show. Um, I remember our first show was at Concord High and our friend Straight Edge Mike beat up a teacher. Um, I remember <laughs> what we played, we played at the store, like yeah, like kind of bad actually. I did think. he go to the school? Yeah,
0: we played the talent show. So he like he knew he was gonna have to see oh, this teacher. Again. No,
1: no, no, no. Straight edge Mike didn't, our drummer, straight edge Sean. Oh. Or wait, we call it wait, we called him Adolf Edge. <laughs> oh. Uh, which he he was so mad about because he was the only one who was like really into politics. And so he's like wearing like a Darudi t-shirt. And we're like, Yeah, he's eight and we made him draw X's on his hands, <laughs> even though he was like, I'm just straight edge. Like, I don't want to we made him wear hockey hockey jerseys. <laughs> he ruled. Um <laughs> But uh, we like we played when we our first show at Gilman. I remember we insisted on playing the store. The, Scotty has a live tape of that. That was it was the most fun show I've ever played before. Or not, there was no show before that. But
0: after, I mean, it was the greatest show of my career. Did um, bands ever play the store or were you guys the first to do it?
1: No, there were uh, bands had played it before, okay. but I don't think they had many after us because it was like a disaster. Playing the store, that's the move, though, if you play Gilman, is play the store in Gilman.
0: Oh, it's uh, tiny oh it's very tiny where they putting the amps like up on that like back counter yes
1: yes (laughs) oh wow (laughs) and i I stood at the back counter and sang (laughs) (laughs) and it's like a house show
0: well how long is this period before the period where you're you know you're touring and you're you're putting out records on no way
1: so probably for about a year and a half i think we we put out a demo tape um It was, I met, I feel like I met Brandon. I went on tour with Annihilation Time when I was like 15 and Municipal Waste, which was illuminating. Um, But I feel like I met either Brandon on that tour or shortly after. I think I met him through Annihilation Time and uh, we'd given him our demo tape and maybe we've eventually played with the rec control in the Bay and he hit us up to put out a record. So I must've been like 16, like a sophomore or whatever, the junior in high school. and. Or what's the third year?
0: We don't have that system in Canada.
1: I can't remember. I I I only went to like two and a half years of high school. So junior,
0: senior. No, I think I don't know. Yeah, sophomore.
1: No, sophomore second. No, it's junior year. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, so I remember he hit us up to put out a record, and I was like what so like a year and a half year after we started i flipped out because i was like this guy's gonna put out like our record on a record like i couldn't believe it and he sent us all these like because you know brandon could draw real good he sent us all these like logos he had drawn up and stuff and after that yeah we we um we recorded with jeff leopard uh r.i.p actually um at lennon studios and put out this uh seven inch that was just Again, the only record I've ever done
0: that's on Spotify
1: is this record.
0: <laughs> it's it's actually amazing because that he was kind of doing the sub pop of hardcore at that point. Yeah, like that was the label to get onto. If you're doing like you know traditional straight up hardcore, like that was the place. Like and you know like and it really did like I guess thrust you guys onto like you know I get it's weird because in the Bay you're already on the national. Scene yeah. in terms of punk because it's like the media center of punk rock yeah but like i guess that put you on like the the wider sort of scene
1: yeah like we could actually like i remember we went on tour um we did like a separate we did a three or two and a half month tour with this band rabies Oh my uh, God. dude the worst I, I think i was 16 i believe or 16 or 17 when we did this the most fucked up idea in human history <laughs> was to do this fucking tour and we were sharing like a drummer and a guitarist. I feel like it was like some fucked up shit like that. And uh, during the summer and I'd never really been outside the bay in the summer and the bay gets to like 75 tops in the summer. And so I was like, Oh, it's hot everywhere. And I was fat and I kind of like longish hair and like I wore, I had to wear like shorts, which I, I still don't love. And so it was like (laughs) this, like, Every picture from that. And I still wore fingerless gloves. Um, but uh, it was like, we went on this fucked up, awful tour. That was, we played in Canada, I think with Terminal State in yeah, Toronto. Sense.
0: Yeah. I think I remember uh, show that show happened
1: actually. Yeah. Some like basement place, I feel like.
0: Um, I'm trying to think where that show would have been. Because I think I, by that point, word had already spread about you guys coming to town. Like, oh, this is war crime. This is the band that everyone's talking about. But I think we were on yeah. tour when it happened.
1: I think you were, because I remember I wanted, like... Because I knew Jonah, like, decently, because we played with Career Suicide uh, We went on times. tour with them, right? Like, a,
0: f- a short five-day or three-day tour or something, he said? Oh, yeah, dude, two years ago. Oh, no, I thought this was before that. Uh, back in probably, the day, he
1: said. Probably did. I honestly don't remember.
0: But then two years ago, too? Dude, we did a reunion tour
1: with Career Suicide <laughs> <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> How
0: did I not know about that?
1: That's yeah. amazing. Damien, you have never known humiliation until you're singing, I don't want to go to high school at 30 years old at the dollhouse in Pomona at 4 p.m. on a Sunday because you have to leave by six because Bone Breaker's playing that night and they're Nazis. <laughs> you're not allowed to hang out there anymore.
0: I heard about that show. I heard yeah. about that disaster of a, of a show, actually. That's um, wild. <laughs>
1: Well, I first saw I met I first, I don't know if I actually met you guys, but I fa- first saw you guys at Warm Water Cove.
0: Well, that, that show, yeah, like we're at the really tiny PA cord. Yes, and I carried the PA around.
1: I feel like, yeah, yes, 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 you did.
0: Yeah, I remember that's I remember, such a fun show.
1: I remember also being like, these guys are like forty years old. These guys we were like, old. It's like Van Halen or something. Like, <laughs> well, you're like ten. Yeah, Yeah. I I was. Yeah, yes. I was like a child back
0: then. And it's so weird. Like, I talk about this all the time on the show, and people make fun of me for it now. But, like, being a parent and having kids at the age where, you know, you would start to get into punk, it just feels like, and I'm not just saying for my kids, like all the kids around them, like none of these kids feel like they're at that, you know, I'm fed up with my parents. I'm going to go find something level yet.
1: Well, I'm so glad I did find punk when I did because I was such a fucking like. I mean, I was like a. I didn't know. I just read fantasy novels and like sold science fiction books and like was kind of like a shut in. And I love people, but I didn't know how to like. To have shit. I didn't like the people in my school. And growing up into punk, despite all of the bad shit I just talked about, was like the, I think the healthiest possible outcome that could have happened to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like it's like. Where else are you introduced to these kinds of ideas, you know, or or like what what other like if you ran away from home, where else would have a squat scene that you could kind of stay in?
1: Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Like where else would I like I I, even talking to people now, they'd be like, "How do you know people in like Columbus, Ohio?" I'm like, "Yeah, what are you talking about, Kevin?" It was a pink reason, you know, fucking those first two seven. is just some of the greatest records ever made in the mid (laughs) two
0: (laughs) thousands. What scene was that again? Was that shit? That was
1: that was shit fi yeah that was yeah. like he was actually one of the only bands i liked from that scene but uh... i we
0: went on tour with psychedelic horse shit and they were the funniest coolest band ever like the funniest yeah. guys
1: i loved those guys did not like listening to it i remember i saw psychedelic horse shit and i was like damn this is challenging
0: <laughs> yeah they, they every night we went out with them it was the best man to have on tour with you because you knew that they were gonna get booed Oh, like, and they yeah. were just going to, like, eat it up. Like, it wasn't like they were going to get pissy about it. The crowd's like, fuck you, you guys suck. And they're like, yep. yeah, whatever. Yeah, yep.
1: yep. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, that whole scene, like, clock cleaner. Yeah. Like, the the most infuriating live band I've ever seen. Because they had this fucking strobe light. And I was trying to see them in the hemlock. And I snuck in. I wore a disguise to go to the show. I, I put on literally a disguise and used Noel from Annihilation Times ID. And... <laughs> Uh and, and I saw Clock Cleaner and I was like, This is the worst band I've ever seen in my life. To this day, the worst band I've ever seen. Love Sharky, love Puerto Rico flowers too. That fucking burning down your house, that's not incredible. Yeah, but deep Clock blues Clean- were great too. I actually I haven't heard them, but I assume I love Sharky.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, ter- terrible terrible. <laughs> so, well, anyways, we went on this fucking two and a half month tour. Then Brandon wants to put out LP that and we put out a fucking lp which to this day it blows my mind that we did that not it's a pretty okay lp is it's like we try to get a little too fancy with the recording do you think like
0: frankly. looking back on it because you're you're playing a character right like you had a name for this whole thing was it an extension of this sort of rant, fantasy role-playing thing a little bit
1: kind, kind of yeah it's like i i mean i thought it was like because i know punk was silly punky mm-hmm. is silly that's mm-hmm. kind of what i like about it and it was like well, I can kind of play the, I, I you know, I was never a big wrestling guy, but I know what a heel is. And it's like playing the heel on stage, spitting on the crowd you know, chain out. I remember we, I spit in a guy, I, I, when we played in Montreal. Um, we, there, we were playing this show and there was, I think, what's that? What's one of the crust bands in Montreal? An the, it wasn't an Epstein cause I'd be too starstruck, <laughs> uh, CCSS. I can't. It might have been some. It some one. It was a guy in a band that I knew about. Okay. I was like, he had like a picture or he had like a mug of beer or a show. And I was like, come here, come here, like asking if I could have a sip. And he like kind of held it up to me, and I spit in it. <laughs> and we ended up getting like this big fight like on stage. The guy like punches me so hard that I. Is that I think the gate I was, to hell too that you're playing at? Probably. I can't. I I've no. I mean, dude, 2000. I was yeah. like also like I'm 17 and like no one's carding me here. Like I'm getting fucked up um but uh i would you know so i was just like i'm gonna be this little dirt dog you know like this little rotten little man on stage um because you know i'm like a nebbish little guy and so the only it's fun to be i also lead singer you gotta know what I'm talk about it you never know what to do with yourself on stage mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. absolutely you know yeah. unless you're iggy i don't think he knows either right like, that's why he's cutting himself up with bottles right yeah like that's like out of nerves, like I'm, the, all, all the things I did to fuck myself up on stage. Like if I was a well-adjusted, confident performer, I would have found a way to perform without doing that stuff to myself.
1: I feel like I saw you once and you did the, you did the razor Blade head job. Thing. Yeah. Blade I used job, to do it a yeah. lot.
0: And it, and it's something that that was even, I was, it's funny. I was talking to Martin about this last night, like hitting yourself in the face with a microphone that hurts a lot. It hurts right? a
1: lot, dude. And I've you,
0: done it a lot. Yeah. And you bleed so little. For the amount of damage you do and then so that's the performative side of it as soon as i realized like oh shit i can just pull a knife out or like a little tiny razor blade and bleed buckets and don't have to bash my head in to do it i was like oh this is performance
1: yeah 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 i i i was still too pussy to do that (laughs) but (laughs) i was like i'll hurt other people and so i'd swing a chain around i never knew what to do because i'm not very limber
0: yeah. Well, and also the thing is that and this is a weird thing with punk rock too, is this sort of like Peter Pan Neverland world where you guys are little kids interacting with adults in in a world where adults are kind of like, well, these are the standards you have to live up to and perform to. Yes. And, and you're like a bunch of little kids. You're like, Well, fuck you, I'm a kid.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Well, I was I mean, it was also just like we're gonna do I I hated so much of the nineties kind of runoff stuff. Like I mean everything from like nausea to the gravity stuff like I just like did not like anything from the 90s I've softened obviously since but <laughs> yeah um but uh I was like I and I associated that so much with like this kind of like granola hippie kind of punk all of it even no matter what kind of punk it was and so I was like well this is like we are co- going back to the roots of like you know and, and being 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 nasty and honestly it got us attention and it worked and so I kept like it 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 you know, it, I, I continued with it. I mean, so much of it was just me aping old target videos that we had bootlegs of and being like, okay, well, sick pleasure guide is this during their set. That sick pleasure target set is incredible.
0: Incredible. Unbelievable. Incredible. That band just, lyrics aside, one of the best bands of all time.
1: Oh my, they changed my, I, that was like, I think I had an AIM screen name of like sick pleasure for like a week before I was like, this sounds like a sex thing. Yeah, divorced definitely. of context,
0: <laughs> a little kid on aim with the name Sick Pleasure, exactly
1: like a 15 year old kid being like, yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, like I was like, This is like, you know, it was like, it was like us who didn't know a lot. I mean, I read American Hardcore probably 10,000 times, I read like the Germs book, I read all that stuff like a million times, and it was just me trying to do like my best approximation of that stuff, but I mm-hmm. wasn't like but it was like it's weird because it's like a photocopy of a photocopy and so it just came out in this like kind of warped
0: way but it's funny how that's like it, it's still it's like the takashi Six Nine model for like building yourself as an artist is like you make a huge splash and then you know people are going to be like fuck this band but then there's also gonna be a lot of people that are just like well what's this thing and drawn to it too and it just feels like you know punk is something that until recently I think it's all changed obviously now but like yeah that was almost encouraged by like what you're saying. When you read the history books, when you read about the germs, and you're like, "Oh, they got on the scene because everyone thought they were terrible." You know, yeah. and they were like the band because they're they like, "Oh, they're so bad," even though they're the best band ever. But like, yeah, it's just it's just so it's you're almost encouraged to do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like late, you know, my 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 band after like when I was like like 19 or whatever, it was like more normal in terms of like what we did. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of like playing and like you know not being shocking for the sake of being shocking although we definitely did a lot of that too um was like it is a lot easier to get attention if you're just like a fucking crazy ass kid who's like you know lashing out everywhere because then everyone's like oh look at this you know sort of nightmarish of child yeah because everyone loves watching like a nightmare child you know thrash around on stage
0: yeah yeah and everyone, and everyone likes watching a train wreck you know yeah like that's yeah <laughs>
1: that's but it's funny because I was like a fake train I mean, we were doing like a lot of bad shit, but like I wasn't like I didn't do coke probably until I was like 17. You know, I didn't like I was.
0: Oh, no, I don't mean like a train wreck in like a human terms. But I mean, like just in terms of being a band, like a band that's oh, on yeah. like a like a self-destruct mission on stage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When did you start writing for MRR? Oh, brother. Um, I think it was at a sex vid show. I believe it <laughs> actually at War Crimes slash- in my head, this might not be true. This might be just two shows that happen in a similar time frame. But I either I think I booked SexVid, Mysterious Guy Hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, who's actually like that was like the distillation of Mysterious Guy Hardcore after like you guys sort of like spread the seed that was like the first flower to, I'm not saying that they're you know, I'm not saying they ripped you guys off but you know what I mean? It was no, like I, that, yeah, absolutely. And, in my head, that's a linear kind of thing. Well, and
0: it's funny because like I got Mike from fucked up's tape collection and I, don't know, I guess they're not here i moved them across the room but I, there's like the tapes that him and judd would before sex had started when fucked up was just starting that him yeah. and judd would tra- would trade with each other where they're like basically learning about being mysterious guys yeah yeah yes pale.
1: he's working I, I someone just told me they saw him in, in austin recently
0: yeah no he's he's that end of an ear and yeah and yeah he's awesome like i, I saw him god well it's pre-pandemic so two years ago now but he was he was yeah it's so great like still crazy record collector you know like that whole band like was just like the most intense record collector nerd vibe band ever
1: I remember Judd was kind of mean
0: to me and I thought that was cool I was like (laughs) yeah that's well that's what you're saying about clock cleaner psychedelic horse shit even like it's almost like that period of punk it's so different than now where it's almost like it, it's almost like you want to serve your audience as much as you can. Yeah. Whereas back then you want to piss the people off so, so much. like fuck you, fuck you for coming yeah. to see my band.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, and so we, I booked the show. I think it was at the Sex fit show because Layla was there, who was Sex with's number one fan in America. Yes. Yes.
2: Um,
1: and I remember Layla like uh asking me in the back. It was like in some warehouse. Um, and she was like, oh, like you know, do you, you're make everyone mad. Like, do you want to write for MRR? And I was like, absolutely. And I had like, obviously publicly hated on MRR. Cause that was like, I had this zine. No, you know what it was? I had a zine called mean punk, which if, if there are any extant copies out there, it's a legendary zine. I will say I'm not gonna blow myself up here, but it is, it's, it's the stuff of legends. Cause it was so stupid and insane that people literally a guy asked me about it like a week ago he's like oh i was looking through my like zine the other day it's it's the most like deranged zine ever made i made one issue mean punk number one and on the basis of that Layla asked me to start writing a column which i called the last punk and um my god i I, i'm so surprised that no one's like dug up the archives of that to like cancel me
0: with um but uh they weren't going go on sorry no go ahead no i was gonna say it's mrr right so they weren't probably letting you say anything that crazy
1: i said insane shit in there because they (laughs) knew because even mrr even mrr knows even mrr knows that if you're insane people will read it yeah and uh so i said all kinds of weird shit in there who knows i mean i was on a lot of drugs by this point but uh it was i remember it was like so I would I would spend thirty days or twenty eight days of the month being like I should write my column I should write my column and three days before we had to go to print or whatever I would write it in, like I would take a bunch of drugs and then write it in one night and uh, and get out there and even the name the last punk made people so mad at me <laughs> I, at one point I made up an interview I tried to get I tried to get Mike uh, uh, Mike Sniper from the Blank Dogs for an interview yes he puts a kibosh on that. I'm like, all right, well, I just, I just made up an interview with him where I said that he got the name blank dogs from his nanny who was told him about this white ghost dog that she used to see. And she called it Blanco dog. Cause she was half like Spanish.
0: I remember when you, when that thing, cause that was also when blank dog, you weren't supposed to know that it was Mike sniper at that yeah. point. Right. Like it was like still meant to be a secret. And I remember that reading that in that column being like, Yo, this dude is on one. This is so (laughs) nuts.
1: Mike later shoulder checked me at the knockout, which I'm sure you would dispute this day to this day. But uh, he's a sweet guy. It's this beef is a million years ago. Um, But uh, so it was just shit like that. Like just me doing insane shit. I loved hanging out of the MRR house. They gave me a key. Although I did get kicked out of there at one point because me and, uh, I'm sure they won't mind me saying this uh, and total control, not Mikey, but it was like, it was like DX. I, it must've been total control. And some of the UV race guys, we all took acid and, uh, and, and we went there at one point during that night and uh, I'm not going to say who, but somebody, even the cohort found a screwdriver record they had in there slapped that motherfucker on the turntable and they kicked us out. And we're like, is your screwdriver record? We didn't bring this. What are you guys doing with it here?
0: it's got well that's still like the the ultimate spa- repository of everything in punk except there's oh. well he sold some of the records right like tim went through before he passed away and got rid of like a chunk of stuff that he just didn't think was good
1: mm-hmm.
0: um fucked up chemistry of common life um, no that was a <laughs> it big was... heartbreaker for me
1: that's what it's saying it saved the business though yeah yeah he did at at some point get rid of a lot of stuff but they also and then of course there was an issue with a former coordinator who had maybe taken some records
0: um and then stuff went disappeared after too right mm -hmm. because i remember there was um a band from toronto that was told like yeah you guys can't stay here because when you stayed here records went missing shortly thereafter
1: I heard about that. In fact, I knew it was a band from Toronto, but yeah, yeah, I heard about that. And yeah, people would steal. I mean, it was if you wanted to steal something from there. Only thing that would stop you is punk's honor.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like and and punks don't have a lot of honor, unfortunately, when it comes to records.
1: No, I mean, I've stolen one record in my entire life, which is the Cleanse the Bacteria test press. Whoa. Um, Yeah, no cover, though.
0: Well, I don't think it had a cover, right? I don't think so either. Yeah, it's a test press, right?
1: Yeah, test press, signed by Pus- and numbered by Pusshead.
2: Holy um, shit!
1: Yeah, I stole it from a record store that I worked at for one week uh, when I was like 15, and the guy just didn't pay me. And then he later overdosed at his 14 year old girlfriend's apartment and died, or her parents' apartment. And so they like put everything on sale at his record store, and I found that and I put it into a Journey record and bought the Journey record for a dollar.
0: Whoa! Yeah, that is the darkest record finding story i think i've ever heard 14 year old girlfriend
1: 14 year old girlfriend the guy was a straight up pedophile when i worked there i was like 15 i was like 14 15 16 around that era he like straight up closed the store to have sex with like a prostitute and he was like you gotta go get some lunch or something
0: holy well that's the thing about record stores like we live in a post vinyl resurgence universe now pre-vinyl resurgence record stores were like scumbag kind of environment sometimes
1: oh absolutely. a lot of times <laughs> yes and it and like the record dude before it got like cool to like records the record yeah. dude was like he made he made the he made the vile uh toy tra- model train collector look like a knight in shiny armor
0: yeah yeah because it was kind of like those guys knew you know like we're geeky the mm-hmm. the record store guy thought he was kind of a rock star But was just also geeky and also super skeevy. Like, how many record stores also sold used pornography in Toronto? Like, I can think of at least five. Oh, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent.
1: I mean, it's it's a also it's just like a lot of guys trying to rip you off too. Like, selling records to those places was always a uh,
0: Yeah, Yeah. You know, get the get the price guide, the gold mine price guide. Like, trying to the I don't see anything about infest in here. Yes,
1: yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) um uh the best one in san francisco was one called grooves where i hung out every day after school basically um this guy kelly stoltz who actually is a musician who i really oh yeah um he worked there and he would just like because when i was like 16 17 i was like oh there's music besides punk and he would like turn me on to all this kind of like crazy ass shit that he dug and so that really i credit that experience with like opening my my
0: mind up to a lot of stuff so where'd you um you know, like you mentioned getting into drugs, like where did that kind of, I guess it comes to a head at a certain point, right? Is that before or after you go? It must be before you go overseas.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, um, you know, when I was like into hardcore punk, like some people do coke sometimes. I my mom was like kind of into that stuff, so and died, and so I was like, you know, I don't wanna, I ever want to touch drugs. Mm. Uh, but then, of course, one day I'm walking to a party at RNL's Pizza, which is like wherever Annihilation Time worked, and someone was like do you want to do a bump and i was like you know what that sounds fantastic i hated coke mm-hmm. and i barely ever i mean i did it you know but i didn't do it that much um actually that's not true i did it a lot but i didn't buy it that much but uh i got i uh, this is like really kind of when like oxycontin was hitting a peak and i moved into this like apartment with these kind of kind of garage rocky people and one of them was really addicted to oxy and so he, he started hooking me up with it. And then later I started playing in a band with a guy who was addicted to heroin and he was a taxi cab driver. And we'd drive around this like drug dealer, this heroin dealer, and I would get heroin from that and kind of progressing them. But that was more when I was like 19, 20, 21, 22.
0: um, That kind of era. The Coke thing came back in huge in punk. Like I remember first getting, punk, you never saw it. Right. And then it was like, then it hit and in the mid 2000s and it was everywhere
1: everywhere and it's crazy now because now it's ketamine
0: yeah which or or what's the i met in la the kids uh nitrous night dude i so
1: you saw that like those like pandemic like outdoor shows
0: yeah yeah
1: i went i went to those and like dude night full-on nitrous tanks at the shows That's just that is advanced dude we like that would have been unthinkable to us.
0: I did this like thing that never came out, like a podcast documentary. We're talking to like younger kids at DIY shows, and I was in LA and I was talking to these kids, and I'm like, "What's the biggest problem facing you know the scene right your scene right now?" And they're like, "The Nos guy, the nitrous guy showing up at the shows with his gang to protect him because every yeah. time he shows up, you never know what's going to happen."
1: Yeah, I mean, let's look at fucking fish concerts. Yeah, Whip It w- Mafia.
0: Yeah. Same yeah. kind
1: of shit. I mean, nitrous is there's there's money in the tank.
0: Yeah, it's so. I went to a show, and I hadn't been to like you know I'm a dad now, so I don't get to many you know real street level punk shows as much as I'd like to. Um, and I was there, and this dude full up like set up a distro style thing with whippets. Yeah, it was great. Dude, There were competing
1: nozga at those outdoor shows. <laughs> yeah. it was like competing. Someone shooting a gun in the air. I'm like, damn, because we used to play like backyard, like East LA, like. Because in L.A., to me, there's always been kind of two punk scenes. There mm-hmm. was when, when I was younger, there was like a big like scene of guys who are sort of like post stitches types. Of guys, you remember that band of stitches? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like guys yeah. who not who would be embarrassed to be like we used to like the stitches. But clearly were very influenced by having been guys who like the stitches, it was white guys. And then there was like East L.A., like Mexican, like like a cr- big crust scene at the time, although it seems more like D DB kind of now. And those shows, I remember we played, I, we were, I think we played with Government Warning a couple shows like that. And I was like, damn, this is fucking crazy. Like, this is like,
0: just half the people in the, at this show aren't even punks. They're just like fighting people. <laughs> well, those those outdoor shows, that section hate footage, that to me, like, look like what parents warned you about with punk. Like, you it don't want to go so to those cool. punk shows. They're crazy. And then yeah. you're like, you get to a punk show and it's just like, you know, like three dudes skanking around and then someone's got a distro in the back.
1: Yeah, there's like a ska guy, and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, I guess I guess my parents were right. <laughs> it <laughs> sucks. <laughs> no, but dude, I, the second I went to the second one of those like section hate shows, and the fucking we couldn't even get in because it was like already like surrounded by cops, shut, everything shut down, and there is fucking like kind of like they're shutting down the show, and there's like runoff like people like leaving in dr- thousands of people, and there's this like drunk punk dude and like these two drunk punk guys and event basically i see a fight between two guys with full-size legit no shit whips a whip <laughs> like a bull whip. like a bull whip. like six months ago and i'm like this is the this is this is the greatest thing i ever seen in my goddamn
0: life that is awesome yeah that is like uh i don't even like indiana jones that's like the ultimate indiana jones fantasy
1: only one real like straight up whip hit was was I clocked but they could before they started like just like have all their friends like everyone just got into a big brawl and in the in the melee that ensued uh, a third party stole both whips and like absconded with them I'm, like wow and the guy whose whips they were was like so pissed he's like those are $50 whips man. like
0: ah. it was so fucking tight punk is never going to suck it's going to go no. on forever and still going to be awesome somehow.
1: There are very few ways for young people to be publicly annoying in that particular way. You yeah. know what I mean? In yeah. like a kind of like silly sort of way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah, there's always going to be punks.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it feels like, you know, like every, every step when someone's like, well, that's it. That there's nothing else. And then there'll be another group of kids that'll offend people or do things completely differently and just, build up a new scene like that's the best part about this whole thing
1: i mean what blows my mind is in the bay area right now like there it's like it's changed so much obviously in in the ways that everyone knows about got you know gentrified and stuff but what really blows my mind is like there isn't like like after kind of our generation like a generation slightly younger than us like there wasn't really like a big youth like movement scene Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. replace punk um it sounds like that happened. Other play LA. It seems like that really happened, but like Bay Area really stopped being like one of the epicenters of punk.
0: I've kind of realized you almost need like two or three years before, like a huge band to blow up and get mainstream popular. And then it's like the kids are kind of in the wake, right? Like I'm the, I'm the kids post Nirvana and there are the kids post green day and mm-hmm. then the kids post blink 182 and you don't really have that band kind of after Blink way too, but I guess in LA you do have like local phenomenas and LA yeah. stuff got so big, just locally. It's kind of like a different beast
1: for sure. And like, just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but like LA 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 used to, I used to hate playing down here and coming down here, but like it's tight now. Like there's like shows all the fucking time, you know, it's yeah. like all different kinds of punk. It's cool.
0: It's funny. Cause like, I remember going there and playing the first few times and it was still like a super divided scene. There was like yeah, the East LA stuff. And then there was yeah. almost like the the more like hardcore Revelation Records yes. type world. And then there's also like sort of that emerging hipster kind of thing yeah. that's also kind of happening at the same time. And then it feels like post trash shock, like they unified so much of those things. You know? Yeah. And like their shows were like all different types of kids coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, it seems like there's a lot more. I mean, when I was growing up, all our friends were like, it was like us punks, but all the other young kids we hung out with were graffiti guys mm-hmm. and like who were, were go to punk shows, but like weren't into punk or anything like into hip hop or like whatever else. Um, and it seems like that was kind of like that, that like, that's like a really big key to like making shows big too. Cause it's just like, not just have young people that only like punk, but just like young people who like to have a good time. And yeah. so like, la seems to have that in kind of in spades too
0: yeah yeah um, la is like something also where you just put out something on the street and just people will appear out of like the woodwork and the sewers like just like yeah. <laughs> like weird. Like like where's this guy come from well
1: i what so i do want to clear something up speaking of trash talk the tony molina on your show yes um he mentioned a, a tussle that happened between our drummer and members of trash talk based on a misunderstood, misunderstood basically series of words. Yes. I was, I would, I remember this because I wasn't like, I was just like outside drinking or something. And so it sort of like came in towards the middle of this. Our drummer was like, and he still is. He's like the sweetest, like nerd, like beyond even record nerd, like a genuine nerd. And, uh, he had said something about like, Oh, look at these muscle men. And I guess one of the guys from trash talk thought he said muscle men, like how British people used to call Muslims in like the 1800s Yeah. or like said, look at these Muslims or something. And uh, it became like this big fight. And I think me and Lee were the only people who didn't actually fight in it. Although my, I just know I didn't. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, my ass kicked. Like, if he said that or if he didn't say that, <laughs> you know. Um, but I later talked to him, and he was so confused by what happened because he's like, I just said that he had big muscles. And uh I later found out what had actually happened, and I could not believe it. Most insane thing, but uh, I believe the beef, I don't think I've talked to Lee since that happened, but I believe the beef is has been squashed, which it is, that beef is old enough now to actually be at Gilman
0: yeah yeah that 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 beef is going to shows now that beef started a band
1: yes and uh, um, it's,
0: it's completely new sounding uh no i remember because we were playing that was during our set because they that was your on. show yeah yeah what happened was yes. we were in that vegetable oil powered school bus oh my god dude yes the school bus the school bus and it was and it took us because it broke down a million times so it took us forever to get to the show so Trash Talk played super early and we got there and Lee's like, can we jump on? Because we had to play like really early. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So they jump on. I had to go to the bathroom. I run to the bathroom, come back, and it was just like the vibe was so good. And then after I got back, the vibe was so harsh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? And people were like, oh, it was a crazy fight. And someone told me you, it was between you and and uh uh i guess garrett was was who it was with at the time are but, you kidding me garrett would have killed me <laughs> well that's what i heard the kid got fucking destroyed and that i i was like i was like for years i thought that and then tony sent me straight so i owe you an yeah. apology i did not propagate that rumor but i did think that in my head
1: oh i've heard this has gotten brought up to me by so many people over the years because it's funny because after like a like for a while after i was like i don't know it, was, it wasn't that big a deal we fight at shows all the time but that the, the legend of that story grew um too but like trash talk any one of those guys could have kicked all of our asses we and so I was like there's no way when I hear people like you guys all fought them like what are you (laughs) all fought them I
0: would I would say that every single time we played the Gilman not every single time most of the time there was some sort of crazy fight that would ensue
1: I mean I probably saw you guys every time you played at Gilman
0: um there was one time and- where it was like a huge thing outside afterwards. Always. Yeah. Like with lights out played and there was some crazy shit that went down. It was Casey's band, right? No. It was, um, uh, why am I? No, Kevin, was- Kevin. And Kevin. And Sha- yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, I just talked to his wife the other day. Great guy. <laughs> um, uh yeah, uh the, the Gilman Gilman was the site of a lot of my getting my ass kicked and one of the merciful times I was actually able to get the upper hand on somebody by uh mistake on their part. Um, but uh Max crime did. I think Tony told this story in here. He did basically get his eye popped out from a Boston beatdown type situation after being drunk and being like fuck straight edge.
0: At The infamous drop dead righteous jam show
1: yes oh wow that was a what a stack lineup
0: i know like whoever booked that like that's one of those ones that only plays in cooch or chris Corey's mind like yeah. in reality it definitely was not the same show i think
1: that's an that's a wild ass lineup uh, i was yeah. actually that was while i was sent away i was not at that show and i'm glad because i probably would be missing both both my eyes i was such a little shit talker um
2: but
0: yeah. i'm
1: i'm mr <laughs> no beef now
0: yeah i oh. i, I I'm a man of peace absolutely and I think that's part of it is coming through you know I think the thing that draws people to be lead singers is the same thing that draws people into getting into ridiculous beefs with people it's almost like that need for well, ultimately attention I guess but yeah you know like just sort of that need for interaction
1: did you ever have a major beef I feel like you were kind of always a no beef guy in the national no, we, we had we
0: had beefs in Toronto we beef with terminal state we beefed with uh, uh, Billy Talent, this big popular band. Like all of these, oh, I yeah. regret because I think all of them were mis- miscommunications that really would have been like four words, and it could have been sorted out without writing. But they were also yeah. very comical kind of beefs. I think, like you know, no physical violence at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I you guys always say, well Canadian bands. I feel like did not participate in as many beefs as well. What was that fucking band? Omegas,
0: Omegas from Montreal. I, I feel absolutely. like those
1: guys could have beefs
0: because they had big. some beefs. No warning certainly had some beefs in their yeah, time. No warning, yeah. uh Chokehold definitely has had beefs on all mm-hmm. sides of the political spectrum over the years. So the uh, thing
1: is, like when you're a young, upcoming band, you want
0: beefs. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's and that's like you know because like we're saying like you know and that's the catchy six nine model right like mm-hmm. that's the oasis blur model like you're shown that like if you study music if you're a fan of music it says okay know how you get popular rivalries <laughs> like, yes yeah and
1: honestly it works because it boosts
0: everybody because mm-hmm. most of the time you got to of if you're a musician you don't have a lot to talk about no exactly like we're all we're all overly privileged enough to be playing this music in a situation like we're in so <laughs>
1: i'm so yeah i'm playing a pizza parlor in Altoona. Pennsylvania <laughs> on the desperate hope that Rick to life shows up, which is, did not happen by no. the way. He did not show up, even though apparently he goes to every other show at that venue. Um, and so it's like, I need to get, I need someone to be mad at us. And so we would always like talk about hipsters and like those bands we hated. And then like, now I'm like, that's, that was ridiculous. Now if like, I meet another adult who like, I knew when I was in a punk scene, like, I mean, I'm still punk, but like, like, i'm like thrilled to talk to them because that means we have the shared like a million fucking things we can talk about
0: yeah well it's amazing how we're like arguing with each other about music and like realistically on the spectrum of music we're like basically on top of each other no matter what you're into if you're into ska punk or or like burning spirits hardcore in the musical spectrum they're pretty much the same thing compared to like everything else that is out there and yet we're both bad (laughs) you don't like burning spirits hardcore no dog
1: what i i
0: you you want to get me started?
1: On, finish your point, and uh, then I'll, then I'll, then I'm about to go. Well, off on I, don't I don't know. I don't know if I, my
0: point's even worth making now because it seems like this is going to be the end of things. This is going to be. uh <laughs> No, no, I'm just joking. Go on. <laughs> no, no, go. No, I don't know. I was just basically saying that, like, yeah, you beef with all these people, but at the end of the day, we're all fucking weirdos, and that's why we're in this thing to begin with. So let's just all be friends.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 how I view it now. I mean, I I I'm going to it like uh Actually, I don't even know fucking is playing but there's like a show at the permanent records uh spot in la now remember that record store in chicago yeah permanent? absolutely yeah they have like a venue it's no they only have one location now in la and it has like a it's apparently like a sick venue so i've got great stuff in there
0: too over the years
1: fucking good record
0: store yeah absolutely
1: uh and that fool uh i don't you remember todd from la i can't remember i feel like it was in broken needle but yeah I he was mean, in I broken needle
0: todd from broken needle absolutely he's
1: got, he's got a record store arroyo in highland park it's pretty good too
0: damn record Um, stores there's so many great record stores now too in la
1: yeah yeah la's sick now it's weird
0: yeah i guess Um, it's like it kind of comes in waves right
1: yeah yeah i mean new york's still cool you know they still got like warthog and like those fucking bands out there um
0: it feels like it's gonna be hard to get a new scene going because it's so expensive i guess there's kids living there but like it just in terms of spaces to play and things like that, like it feels like LA's got, there's a lot more opportunity because it's so spread out
1: for sure. And like, obviously, you know, they had those fucking section hate shows like outdoors yeah. and stuff Yeah, and people in LA just like going to things. And so like, like the funny thing in San Francisco now is you got to play there on like a Wednesday. Cause it doesn't matter if you play on a Saturday, same people are showing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, but, uh, Oh, burning spirits. all right in i don't remember what year it is but my my like punk band we got we got sort of put into the garage rock category we're not garage rock my punk band wild thing yes uh timmy hefner generously let us switch shows from like the show we should have been playing with like shitty garage rock bands to the show that we wanted to play which was with poison idea and like some i think burning spirits type bands And people hated us so much that Logan Worrell had to smuggle me out of the venue um, (laughs) because these skinheads like wanted to kick my ass because we were so and like these like raw punks. But we replaced bastard on the boat show. Oh, wow. The worst decision, the worst booking decision ever made in human history. I have never seen people (laughs) so disappointed to see a band as when we took the the helm instead of bastard. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. Maybe they shouldn't do so much speed.
0: <laughs> they should have pro-
1: been on some boxing like me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the problem with those with the bands from Japan when they would come over for those fests, and it's like all these drugs that cost tons and tons of money in Japan are like basically free in America. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah, and people want to give them to because people are like, oh, you're like Rob. I I just when I I I like I love Discharge. I like Disclose, and then. The further down the step you go, and I understand Burning Spirits is different than that, but it's the same guys that like it.
0: Oh, well, yeah, though, that's it's definitely like one of those things where you got to separate the North American fan from the music because, yeah, like I agree with you, like the fans really make it hard to like the music sometimes. It made me hate
1: Ristatiet for years (laughs) because Ristatiet was like the first band those kind of guys discovered in like 2007. Like, when they, like, realized you could wear shoelaces, not just on your shoes, but around your head. The shoelaces, like, yes. <laughs> now everyone's shoelace, which is, but you know what? I'm all love. I'm all love, you know?
0: Man, I have never met anyone that disliked burning spirits before. Is it just, based, did you, like, dislike it before, Texas? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yes. I just never loved it. I, I, I just didn't. And, you know, a fucking, you know, Randy Ransone. Yeah, absolutely that was like the guy i was like boys with who like loved all that shit mm-hmm. and i'd like hang out with him him and scott they'd always be playing this shit and i'd be like what is what's going on here you know I, but it's just stupid because i still i refer to the, my podcast as the um as the only burning spirits podcast <laughs> um which is in the vain hopes that one of our listeners Will get it and comment on that Which has never happened
0: Well I but, wanted to uh, bring that up to you because the, I, I heard that and then I was also going to say though There's a Burning Spirits podcast About wrestling What? That was called Burning Spirits and guess what? One of the dudes from Dry Rock did it The Christian band? Yeah Whoa. That was a band we had beef with Because I was like fuck these guys for being Christian And weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm listening to the podcast and you know where the burning spirits thing comes from it's a wrestling reference no yeah because all those dudes and all those and all those bands are obsessed with pro wrestling yeah and it's a quote that uh bruiser oh T- antonio Inoki, said about bruiser brody about being able to see the burning spirit in his eyes and that's where they got the name from what it wow. all comes back to wrestling my friend we're all just heels and faces it's true dude it's true who's the? i would
1: say one of the biggest faces probably scotty i'm trying to think of the biggest faces is a face
0: jonah's a face 100 is a true face. baby face yeah um like i guess if you go in old school ian Mackay, you know would be a, a, a classic baby face you mm-hmm. know um it's great to when you see like one of these older punks do a heel turn later in life we're all Become this, um, evil yeah, become evil, like start working like you did. You did the reverse journey like you did a baby face turn.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a baby face turn because I didn't I felt I was it's tiring being evil, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's also it feels like you're just rooting for the end of the world ultimately.
1: Yeah, well, it's. I was I, I didn't really think of I couldn't conceive of anything outside of myself and my immediate friend group and desires mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. I had a very like very. Funnily enough, considering I traveled so much for some of my age, you know, tour and stuff, I had a very provincial understanding of like the world and life. And like, um, I don't know what changed that, but I that changed over time. I guess I grew older, and I I grew to love humanity instead of like despising it. Uh, you know who? Uh, Safira from uh Safira, I think is his name from Crucifix. He did it. He did a heel turn. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. A lot. A lot of hardcore people do the heel turn.
1: Um, but, uh, but I just was like, you know what? There's more to life than just being the worst guy that you can be. Um, uh, I wasn't even the worst. I, cause the thing is, I don't even have it in me to be an actual bad guy. It was like a character I played. And so like people would you know, talk to me like after a show expecting to be all like fucked up, bad guy. And I would be like, hello. I mean, I wasn't like one of those guys just like crazy on stage. And then is like the biggest nerd afterwards, but I wasn't like, <laughs> You know, I can't, I guess, you know what? I'm lying. I was so annoying off stage too, but
2: well, I, I wasn't
0: was, evil. Well, I think the thing that was, like, always disarming about you was the fact that, like, you came off like an idiot on stage, but you're, like, really smart off stage. So I think that was also the thing that people were always taken aback by when they'd actually meet you.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is something I realized that a lot of people, I kind of do the same thing on our podcast, I feel like, too, is I play dumb sometimes. I mean, that's how it works with, like, a co- my co-host is also really smart, but, um, you know, it's, and then, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I impress someone who's really smart if I meet them now, but, like, it's certainly in war crime days, I acted really stupid on stage. Yeah. And so people were, like, very confused talking to me afterwards.
0: Well, and, and like, the fact that you could actually write, you know, like, I think yeah. that was also shocking when you actually did start writing, and it was it was, like, it wasn't, like, yeah, offensive stuff, as you said, but, like. It wasn't just offensive stuff; it was well written.
1: It <laughs> wasn't stuff. like Michael Board style.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was like Answer Me style. Yeah, yeah, God, <laughs> Michael fucking Board, dude. But it's, All it, those MRR columns. I I used to like. I remember re- like it was always the worst because you get there, and there'd be like three columns that you want to read, and then the rest you'd be like, "Fuck, how much? How long is this person's column this month?" They would be so, they were so,
1: and there were so many, I found out there was like legacy hires. Like, yeah. like Tim was like, you can't fire these people. And I'm like, what's he going to do? Haunt us? Like fire that motherfucker. <laughs> Layla fire him. He's a bad writer. <laughs> you know, these uh, like 90 year old, like curmudgeons being like bonk socks, punk socks. Like do you Do write for a magazine. Punk
0: rules. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why Bruce Roars was the best because he loved punk the whole way through. Bruce Roars was like a true mentor to me when I was mm. like
1: uh, younger. I mean, that was a guy who was always he made you feel cool talking to him. There was a lot of guys like that when I was young. I was like, wow, I can't believe this guy's like give me the time of day. But Bruce Roars was like one of the main ones.
0: Yeah. And he never got jaded. It seems like there was always like a cool new band. Like he was the first guy in Max Rock and Roll right about us. Really? Yeah. Like, he well, we got reviewed as a demo. But then when the first seven inch came out, he put us in the column. And I remember just being like, this is crazy. Like, this felt like that felt like a Lester Bangs review or something to me.
1: What was the first seven inch?
0: Uh, uh, the uh, no Pazeron was circling the drain.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good record.
0: Oh, I appreciate I re- the- yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah,
1: that was that was <laughs> that was the that was the first time I heard about the Spanish Civil War through because Mike Mike was like a big like anarchist. Right.
0: Yeah, Mike Mike is still one of the most voracious readers ever, but he gave me recently his whole, like, zine collection and just going through the stuff he was on back then that I've, mm-hmm. like, only caught up with now <laughs> later in life, being like, yeah, wow, dude, like, you were, like, a very well-read kid in his late teens. Yeah. Well, how old were you guys when you started? I guess we would have been 20. I would have been 21, and Mike would have been 20 what, was what how 11. old were
1: you guys when you played in the bay for the first time
0: oh that we've been 24 i would have been 24. dude i thought i was like these guys will, are so old <laughs>
1: and i guess you're like 10 years older than me or i mean yeah. not, how old are you now
0: 42 i'm 10 years older than you
1: no you're six years old oh no 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 you are 10 years older than me. i'm 32 i'm not 36 yeah yeah, yeah I, was I was gonna, gonna be like because
0: that's the thing i was shocked about because i always thought you were older but i guess i never thought war crime were like that young yeah. On. Well,
1: I was really, I was a lot younger than everyone else, even like at the time. Yeah. Um, but I remember Bruce was like that. Jimmy from Annihilation Time was like that, where I was like, mm-hmm. damn, this guy. Although he was Jimmy is the reason I am the way I am because he was like my punk mentor and he is the biggest. Little shits. I I was just telling the story the other night. This motherfucker would go around a party at this one time with a bucket of bleach. Everyone had their you know jeans or whatever. He would throw the bleach on people's jeans and yell "skinhead pants." <laughs> well,
0: that's Cleveland, right? Like, yes. That's, that's the that's that you know, and especially in the Bay, that kind of like Cleveland level of aggressiveness. I imagine. <laughs> shocked us yeah
1: i mean so i was i was i was, I, I think i mentioned the story in the podcast i think it was nine shocks last show or some some herba band last show where they like barricaded the door and started pouring water mixed with gasoline on people and then lighting matches and once i heard that i was like this is the level i gotta be on it's still i'm gonna do that someday it's the most fucked up thing you can do to somebody
0: I think it's at the last Gordon Sully motherfucker show where he does a blade job with like a Rambo knife and cuts his face off.
1: Jesus. <laughs> like...
0: Oh, like a real, like
1: like, <laughs> like not beyond a blade job, just like scalps himself. Well, he like
0: tries to do like a blade job with this thing, but it's a Rambo knife. So this thing's not gonna go just like <laughs> just below the surface. It's gonna go deep, dude. Jesus
1: Christ, man. Cleveland. That was that was there's was a lot of Cleveland people that came to the bay, and that was always a big influence. I remember Herba used to send uh somebody some somebody that lived with clint from strung up i think noel videos uh like video mix vi- mixtape vhs's and it was like the mentors mixed with people getting hit by trains mixed with women having sex with dogs to the tune of how much is that doggy in the window to like two seconds of screwdriver playing to like discharge full set so like, it was like the most and i watching this at like 15 like Ooh. and it was in the old black panther's house um with that, like 15, I can't remember his name, Little Bobby Hutton got killed. And Dino from Dystopia lived in the fucking basement. What? And, and you can hear I have sex every. T- no disrespect, Dino. If, uh, he doesn't listen to podcasts. Um, but uh, you, I heard Dino from Dystopia have sex probably throughout his entire relationship because I'd stay over at the house all the time and you'd always hear this basement. <laughs> oh my
0: God. That is, I, I remember going to Tony's house for the first time, roadieing for uh, Ruination, maybe. And staying mm. there and him busting out just the craziest tapes I'd ever seen. Like, just like, just like, like news anchors losing their minds on air and swearing, like the Dwyer tape, like just like all this, like shit that now I guess we all have access to because of YouTube and all these various other tube sites. But yeah. at the time felt like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude. It was like, and I remember like seeing target videos and it's, like bootleg DVDs. You'd buy at Fucking you know, like record swaps, but yeah. Ur- Urba's, Ur- I've actually never met Tony Erba, but here, a hardcore hero of mine,
0: he to is this day. He same. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's someone who uh, I still kind of end the podcast by paraphrasing him all the time. Like start a band, start a fanzine. Anyone can do this. Like it just was like the most inspirational shit to hear this guy that I thought was like a rock and roll God, you know, tell me I could do it. You know, like, I mean,
1: that's that's the thing about punk, though, is if you're annoying enough, even if you can't fucking play, you can like punk is like the one thing that anyone can do and be good at. Yeah. Like anything else, like rapping, fucking skateboarding, being a comedian, you have to have a modicum of talent. In punk, you don't actually need any talent at the actual thing.
0: Yeah. You know, like you need, I can't sing. But you need a lack of, which a lot of people don't have, you need that desperate yearning for attention that would mm-hmm. have you go up there and do that stuff. Yes. Like, I met this, like, very, you know, famous Canadian rock music singer, you know, and, and talking to him about being a lead singer and just, like, realizing that, oh, the same yearning that I have in my soul, the same void that I'm looking to fill by getting up there and humiliating myself is the same in this guy, and it's the same in all of us, right? Like, that's that's our talent, the lack of yeah. self-awareness.
1: Exactly. And it's like a low barrier of entry and lack of self-awareness yes. is an incredible combo. <laughs> exactly. And like, people wonder why punk's so right. It's because of that, man. It's because it's like, there's always a bunch of people who want people to look at them, but don't necessarily know, you know, they don't even know how to play an instrument or sing, but want that so bad that they're willing to do the most debased things to themselves to have that happen.
0: Well, Brace, I hope this hasn't been debasing for you because it's been amazing for me.
1: I've had a absolute
0: joy. Well, I want, you got to come back. I want you and Tony to come on the show together one time.
1: Oh, so to so, Tony to check this fucking shit out. There is a guy who is like in another part of my life, unrelated to punk, also named Tony Molina and everyone calls him Tony Molina. What's insane? Yes. It's in, who lived in the Bay in this, not in the South Bay, actually. Well, a little bit in the South, like, like West Bay. I shouldn't say Tony will get mad at me, but it's West Bay. It's South Bay. But um, this other guy, Tony Molina, people would always be like, oh, yeah, Tony Molina's coming to the party. And I'd be like, Tony Molina's coming? And it was always just this. The other Tony Molina's great, fantastic, sweetest man in the world. But I was
0: always, I'm always disappointed. He's not the and Tony I mean, Molina that you want.
1: <laughs> well, this guy lives in LA now. And so like a few months ago, my buddy was like, oh, yeah, Tony Molina's coming around later. I'm like, Tony Molina's coming stop the presses and it was the other Tony Molina
0: <laughs> well we got to get both Tony Molina's on here eventually and, and educate the to- fake Tony Molina about the real Tony, Tony Molina, Molina. Summit, summit yeah exactly well dude this has been awesome and anytime you feel the hankering to come and talk about punk rock stuff you know the door is always open
1: you guys are playing in uh in down here soon too right fingers crossed yeah come out man we'll hang out absolutely gonna come out are you fucking crazy do a workout cover.
0: We're gonna do a workout yeah. cover. With <laughs>
1: yes, you. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, Brace, for coming on the show. And you're right there. Brace will be back for a part two, hopefully with with uh, Tony Molina, both the real and the fake one, at some point in the near future. And once again, check out Brace's podcast, True and On, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We're, we're in the same store. So wherever you get this store, this podcast, you can find their podcast. All right. That is it. Coming up later on this week on this podcast, uh, a very kind of special thing that uh, my buddy Danko Jones, one of the best front people ever, my friend, former guest of the show. I'm on his podcast a lot, too. Uh, he and I have been working on this thing for yeah, throughout the pandemic, we've been doing this a little bit off and on. Where we uh, do this show, it's called "Roll the Dice with D and D." I think we're gonna probably change the name because I don't think anyone likes that name. It, no, it's not a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It's Danko and I going through our record collection, trying to find something weird, and and you know, teaching the other person about it. Anyway, we're gonna be putting up the audio for the first episode. We're gonna be I'm gonna be putting up the audio for the first episode on this podcast feed later on this week, and we will be dropping on Friday the first episode of Roll the Dice with D&D on YouTube. So go to youtube.com and look for Roll the Dice with D&D, and you'll see it. You can hear it here, but, you know, seeing is believing. But I just wanted to put up the audio, too, because this is a podcast. Anyway, That's it. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter, the lives of indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and and just just knock all this Nazi shit out. Because these aren't political issues. These are just basic human rights issues. So go get involved in organizations that are doing good work and, and try and bring about some change, positive change in the world. Speaking about bringing about positive change, you know, go out there and make your own culture. Start a band, start a fanzine, do something. Now that's that's kind of paraphrasing Tony Erba, but anyone can do this shit. Uh, you know, anyone anyone can do this stuff. So go out there and make your own culture. It'll make you feel better. Speaking of feeling better, maybe try meditating. It might work. It might not. Who cares? If it doesn't, you know. But if it does, that's kind of cool. It didn't. I didn't think it was going to work for me, and it, it kind of does. So go figure. Sign your organ donor cards, because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them. I get this shit on my body so they can embalm me and do or burn me or do whatever they're going to do with my body. Well, you're not going to be saying that because you're dead. And I think that's it. I'm bummed that I'm not on this tour. But I look forward to seeing people that will be at those shows in the future, in the future. And that is it. Thank you for listening. See you next episode. Bye.